All right, welcome. So glad that you have joined us, my friends, here and online. Our friends, thank you for tuning in today as we continue in this series called Practice. We're actually bringing it to a close today. It makes me a little sad, but uh, five practices we focused on today is the last one, which is engage missionally. Engage missionally. Now, those are a couple of words you probably haven't used this week, and I want to just talk about those a little bit. I want to show you a graphic to kind of make sure we know what we're talking about. When we say engage, we're talking about how uh, two independent things can actually have a greater good when there's an engagement together. So you have a big gear and a small gear just by way of illustration. Independent things that have been designed to work through engagement are going to suffer loss if there's a disengagement. And we as human beings have been designed to be engaged with God himself And if we're engaged with God himself, we actually experience something greater than when we're just freewheeling. And if we're just freewheeling apart from being engaged with God, it might feel good for a while, but it's going to end up uh, getting nowhere, doing nothing, and living a meaningless life. And so what we really need to experience is a connection with our own life purpose with God's design for our purpose. And when we live a life that is in connection with God's design for us, as we've been designed to function best, we have engagement. Then we become part of a greater whole that's bigger than just two parts. It's this massive mission that God has set his body, his church, forward into, a means by which we will change the world. But until we experience that connection with God himself, that is a lost concept for so many people. And they are not experiencing the joy that God has designed them for, nor the power that they experience surging through them as they're connecting with this powerful source, God himself, that is driving our motives and our joys and our life in such a way that our life is meaningful and driving forward. And so... There's a lot of ways in which we can free wheel. One is simply to disengage from God and run our own lives and ignore him. Do whatever we want. And that is a disengaged, freewheeling life. Another way that we will experience a disengagement is if something comes between us and God, it just cranks things into a halt. And then it will dislodge that engagement to where we're experiencing a lack of connection and engagement with God. Now, that's the word engagement. Let's just talk about missionally. Jesus Christ set us forward into a purpose that we would accomplish his mission. When we are engaged in his mission, then our purpose is united with his purpose and we enjoy a whole new level of living. And it really isn't just for what he wants. It actually is best for what we want as well. And so few people have discovered this. We just need to get a hold of this for ourselves. Now, to get into this, I want to talk about something a little less personal. This is very personal because I'm talking about your life and how your purpose engages with your design that God has created for you, and maybe you've discovered how when you're engaged with him, you have a purpose that's bigger than self. 
That's a very personal thing. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to get a little less personal by way of illustration just to let you know that this concept of engaging and disengaging has been studied uh, thoroughly now in the business community and they're really trying to figure out how to make sure that the businesses across the globe and the leadership across the globe can recognize when there's disengagement in their companies and what to do about it and how damaging it is. And so I just want to talk about that by way of illustration because it has a connection with us here. So the way I want to do this is another illustration. If you can imagine a crew uh, team, which actually doesn't normally consist of 10, but for the easy uh, percentages and math, I'm going to have 10 crew members in this crewing rowing boat. And I want to tell you what the business community has studied and what they're saying. Across the average businesses across America, and this study was done in 2013, pre-COVID, just keep that in mind, that the average business, if you represent the business according to its personnel with these numbers, the front three people are doing all the rowing. The middle five people are enjoying the view. And then the last two people are actively disengaged in trying to rock the boat and they're very negative about the business. They're beyond the, the enjoying the view and just kind of taking whatever business can give them and ride along and get all the benefits. They're actually negative about the company. Oh, whatever. And they're just really starting to create some negativity in the company. And so this is all across businesses they've discovered that really 30% of the employees in a business, they actually see the purpose or mission of the business and they're, they're actively engaged in that business to try to help that business succeed. Five of them don't really get the mission. They're in it for their paychecks. They're in it just to have a job and they're enjoying the view and they're not going to put in any extra anything to help this boat function really, really well. And the last two are actively... Uh, trying to figure out a way to just jam the boat up because they hate their supervisor or whatever the reasons might be and cause this thing to be rocked, rocking the boat. And so as we move forward, I want you to recognize this is true in businesses across America. And I just want to suggest that churches are experiencing something quite similar. I would say even more so now than ever, that the numbers of those actually volunteering because of the mission of the church is now reduced to even less than 30% rowing the boat. There's a whole bunch of folks that are just in it for the view and what they can get out of it. And there's a growing number of people across America that are actively trying to badmouth the church that they're involved in and disgruntled and negative. Now, I'm not saying that to say that's where we are living as a church. I'm just saying as a result of COVID, this actually is getting worse, not better. So I need to ask a question. And here's where it gets personal. As it relates to engagement, are you engaged or disengaged? Are you just in it for the view and what you can get out of it? Or are you rowing and see the mission and actively trying to do Jesus' thing, what he would like to see happen, 
not only in this church, but the purpose of this church, that you are doing something that you've been designed for to help us reach people from wherever they are to where God wants them to be. We're ready for point number one. In point number one, satisfied attenders come to church to get. And if you look at that boat, really, and ask them in a church setting, eight people will say they're satisfied. Some will be because they're engaged and satisfied. Others because they're enjoying the view and they're enjoying what they get out of church. They want church to help get their families to God and get help for their marriage and get closer to God themselves and get fed with the word of God and get prayer. And they're satisfied with how the church is giving them these things because they're here to get. Point number two. Engaged followers look for ways to give. If it's just here to get, you are passively disengaged. Because you're disengaged from the mission itself. You're just here to get. And whatever blessings you can receive, you're here to get. And as a result of that, Jesus' mission and the purpose of the church and the purpose of your very Identity and being as an individual is being compromised by an attitude of, I'm here in it for me. And Jesus said, I didn't call you to this to be here in it for me. Now, therefore, go and wherever you're going and as you're going, make disciples. And we had a whole series talking about that mission. That that's what the church is for. That's what we followers are for. We're following Jesus not just to get, but we're following Jesus to live out the life of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And that his mission becomes our mission. And so the fifth practice is to learn how to engage in the mission of Jesus. It isn't about doing my thing. It's about doing Jesus's thing, which is reaching the world. As Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And to the degree that we're disengaged from being sent, the church suffers all across America. And let me just say quite boldly, the church across America and perhaps the globe is more disengaged than it has ever been in my lifetime. And so we need to figure out how to get to the place where we're experiencing a greater joy from a greater engagement in the midst of this challenge in which we live. How's that for a start? Matthew 6.10 is, comes in the middle of Jesus' prayer. He taught us the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching us to think through his lens to think through the lens of the mission, not just your own life and your own life mission, your own purpose, as if that's what prayer is all about, and it's part of that, but it's how it connects to Jesus' mission, Jesus' purpose for you and his design for you as an individual. And so we're supposed to learn how to pray that his kingdom would come, his will will be done more than my will, my desire, my story, the way I want it to go, the way I'd like to see it happen. We need to learn how to pray and see and ask and trust what Jesus would have happen in our lives.
Now, having said that, um, I was talking about this concept with uh, Doug Freeman, just sharing this and the five practices and talking back and forth. And then he did a funny thing the next day. He handed me a blue sticky note, and it had this thing that was obvious to him, and I looked at it and thought, what? And this is all it said on the blue sticky note. It said, good math, one plus two plus three plus four equals five. And I said, no, that's not good math. What are you talking about? He says, what we were talking about before. I said, what? He says, the five practices. Oh, it dawned on me. That is good math. Let me show you the five practices. Here's what we've been working on together. So as a review, practice these five life practices that fuel a thriving and contagious faith in Jesus. One, devote daily. Two, pursue relationally. Three, guide biblically. Four, live authentically. And five, engage missionally. You will never engage missionally if you don't have the first four practices in place in your life. It's good math. Only if you have this practice, this practice, this practice, and this practice in your life will you be effective in engaging missionally and living like Jesus. Oh, I get it. It's a puzzle. It is good math. If I devote daily, here's a little bit of review. In John 15, we learn that we're to abide in Jesus, remain in him. And as we remain in him and his words remain in us, abide in us, that his, his truths, his thinking, his very teachings live in us and we live in that and we devote ourselves there. And by the way, uh, these five practices are not the only practices that are life practices, but there's a whole bunch of life practices that belong right here, devote daily. We just went through Thanksgiving. Every day should be Thanksgiving. Every day should be a, a day of gratitude and worship and rejoicing and thankfulness for what God has done for us, regardless of how dark our day is, we have an eternity. How hard the thing is we're going through right now, we have his glory. And so we can worship, we can connect, we can trust, we can devote daily. There's so many aspects, memorizing scripture, studying scripture. Uh, just There's a lot of practices right here. Devote daily. Then pursue relationally. Well, here we started talking about, um, well, Colossians 3.16 talked about Oh, that's guy biblically. Pursue relationally. As, as God has sent me, I'm sending you is one of those things that we are so welcomed by God. We need to extend that you are so welcomed by God too that we're just sharing our chips and caring for people and that we are trying to be sent by God the way Jesus is sent by God too engage in people's lives and care for them and help them. If they would engage with our life, guess what? We're connected to the large wheel here. And as our life turns from that and theirs turns, they don't know what's happening, but they're beginning to be shaped by the way that we're engaged in Jesus. And then pretty soon they want to be directly engaged. We are that middle go between just like Jesus was because we are the church. And so we are priests. We're go-betweens between God and somebody else. We're reaching out and bringing God and introducing people in this process pursuing people relationally. Now that pursuit relationally is also with one another, not just with those that are far from God. It's also with one another. And there's this 
New Testament is filled with how we pursue one another, love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, uh, consider each other's interest as above our own, one another's interests, and on and on it goes. There's command after command after command. If you just did the study on alelon, one of the Greek words for one another, and just saw all the one another commands and tried to live out the one another commands, the church would be the beautiful bride that people can't wait to be a part of this community because they love one another. And yet, the danger is right now, and this is the challenge, mask up and distance out and be disconnected. No, we've got to figure out how to, whether it's going to be by phone or in person with cost, risk analysis, whatever it's going to be, we take the risks like Jesus did and we engage with people and love people and serve them where they are needing to be served. That's our challenge. Pursue relationally. Guide biblically, Colossians 3.16 talks about um, as the word of Christ dwells in you richly, admonish one another and teach one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and from that word do that hard thing of talking to each other about real life and guide biblically. Don't just give your opinion. Talk about what's helpful. Live authentically. We're not talking about all talk. We're not talking about all study. We're not talking about just pointing people to the words and getting it all up in here. We're talking about here's where I'm messed up and here's where I've messed up. I'm sorry. Now, that's authentic. And I need to apologize to you. And you're going to see that I'm a work in progress and help somebody else that's a work in progress also. The the thought today uh, that went before this one is beautiful for that concept. Just loving others and living authentically. Engage missionally. We did a whole series previous to this one. King Jesus was the series where we talked about the mission, the Great Commission. But I want to take this uh, far deeper than that, than just a command. I want to take it right down to who we are. Point number three. Our identity demands it. It's more than a command. We sacrifice our very identity of who we've been designed to be if we won't engage missionally. Here's what Jesus says about us if we are his. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, this is a tremendous statement because he claimed to be the light of the world. But once you take your little gear, independent life, and engage with Jesus, he, there's a transfer that takes place, and the life of Jesus literally fills your life, the Holy Spirit fills your life, and now you, by your very identity, have been brought back to the identity that you were created for, and now you've been redeemed and recreated for that identity, where you are the light of the world. And then he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let me just read all this first so I don't just interrupt myself and get lost. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He's not just telling you a bunch of stuff to do. He's telling you who you are. 
This is your identity if you're a follower in Jesus. If you're not living this way as a follower of Jesus, you're living outside of your true identity and you're freewheeling and you're lost and you're living a life that's frustrating and meaningless and what is it all about? And you're going to regret your life if you don't engage missionally. And when I say engage missionally, it's more than talk. He hasn't said anything in here about talk, interestingly enough, which you do need, by the way. (laughs) If you don't explain why your light shines, they'll never know it's Jesus. If you don't explain the gospel, what Jesus has done, they can never connect with him in this engagement. So eventually, somebody needs to do some explaining, okay? (laughs) You got to do some talking, but... There's a powerful element that if it's all talk, it'll look more like this attention-getting commercial from a bank. Here's the commercial. Hey, isn't Jacobson choking? I definitely say Jacobson's choking. I know exactly what to do. I've seen in the movies. It's called the Heimlich Maneuver. Isn't that pronounced Heimlich? I'm pretty sure it's Heimlich. Mm-hmm. You make a ball, see, out of your fists, stand behind the guy, pull hard, and uh, the action on the solar plexus. That's right, the solar plexus. Expels the food. <laughs> Just like I told you. Less talk. Just like in the movies. Make it happen. Uh, So that's a little uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable watch. It's uncomfortable watch somebody choking. Just think how uncomfortable it is for Jesus to watch his church talk about those who are dying and going to hell and talk about the lost and not see the lost person that lives right in community with them, not see the lost person that's choking spiritually and they're about to run out of breath and they're going to expire on them and have not a chance to get into heaven. And all it is, we're talking about evangelism, talking about how we need to reach people. We talk about how we need to make a difference in their lives and talk about here's how you do evangelism and talk about we need to pray for them. But we don't do anything and they die. Now, for them, if you're not familiar with what the scripture says and they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, they just continue in their life apart from God forever just as they had their life apart from God in this world. Earth, only worse, and that's called hell because it's now permanent and it's separated. If we don't see people the way Jesus sees people, shame on us, and yet the reality is shame on us. I don't think we see people the way Jesus sees people. I don't. I see people sometimes and it's like, oh yeah, they're people, not just a clerk, not just a nameless neighbor, not just a person. And so I really need to give you a few things to think about that's based on the passage we just read about our identity. Let your life for Jesus be consistent. Let your life for Jesus be continuous. Let your life for Jesus be conspicuous. And yet, he says, you don't hide a city on a hill. Jerome, you can't, you can't put a cloak over it and hide it. At night, it's obvious there's a city on a hill over there because all the lights are shining. And you don't light your lamp and then put it under a bed or put it under a bowl. Luke has bed. 
Matthew has bowl, which is interesting in business concepts. One is a business concept for a bushel that you weigh things. and be- It's like, quit sleeping and quit just thinking business. Shine your light. Don't hide it with your business. Don't hide it with your laziness. Shine your light. That's who you are. How dare you think it's a private thing that you just are afraid that people are going to be offended. Let's be consistent, continuous, conspicuous. Will you say these three words with me? Consistent, continuous, conspicuous. Thank you, you three. Let's try everybody. Ready? Consistent, continuous, conspicuous. I'm uncomfortable with conspicuous. Because I get all this interesting reaction when they find out for the first time that I'm a preacher. I just live a life of conspicuous and misunderstanding of what that means in every way. You know what? Let's all live there. We're all preachers. We're all evangelists. We're all missionaries. We're all followers of Jesus. Let's live a conspicuous life. We're followers of Jesus who have the opportunity to change the world. Let's be consistent, continuous, conspicuous. Good news is not a secret to be kept. Or do we not think it's good news? Do we think they think it's bad news and so we keep it secret? It's good news. If they misunderstand it, they must understand. We try to remove the barriers to help them understand it. Because it's good news. Good news is not a secret to be kept. Don't hide under a bowl of fears. Go public. Open up to others so they can open up to Jesus. Now, just in case you feel beat up, just please understand, I feel beat up too. This is hard to live this out. Let's just acknowledge it. We're not going to try to live this out on our own. We're going to try the indirect method of practicing things that we don't do well to become good at the whole. Devote daily. Pursue relationally. Guide biblically. Live authentically. And out of the overflow of those practices, you're going to begin to be able to practice, engage missionally. You grow. You grow when you shine. It's not about Jesus trying to get you to do something for him, and it is, but he's saying, this is for you. I've designed you to just experience this power in me, authority in me, connection in me, intimacy in me, where you just can't stop talking about the power that I have and what I have done and how I've changed you. You're, it's for you. Begin practicing these and shining these. Now, let me give you a starting point that might be one that you can bite off on and begin no matter where you are. If you don't currently have a top 10 list for praying, develop one. Maybe you can't come up with 10 names. Develop a top 10 list of people that God has placed in your life that don't yet Love the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
Begin to pray for those 10 people. If you'd all come up with three, start praying for those three. And then recruit the rest of the gears around you, the brothers and sisters around you that you know, to begin hearing about your top 10 list and you ask about their top 10 list and begin praying together. If you're in a group, make this a group project. If you just want to develop a relationship with somebody else, make it a a buddy system project. But begin to build this platform where we are the church. God is changing this valley. And if he's not going to use me, I'm going to miss out. Let's develop that top 10 list and begin praying and see the opportunities that God opens up and see what happens where we shine conspicuously and that's where we're heading. You're going to enjoy your life more and so will those top 10. Would you pray with me? Lord, we've been talking about five disciplines for disciples who say they're following you. Our math is all out of whack as we freewheel. We might think we're following you, and yet as we look at the nuts and bolts of what the steps look like and the practices look like, Lord, we we need to devote our lives to you and reconnect and draw life from you. Lord, uh, we need to See how welcomed you've made us to love us so that we love others with that same kind of love flowing through us and that we would be so in love with your word that it starts to just kind of come through even in the way we interact with people as we guide. Whether they even know it's from the Bible or not, we just begin to guide them closer to you and to experience you and that we might live more authentically and then make a difference introducing people to you. We pray that it would be so in our midst and that your light would become brighter and brighter and that darkness would be displaced by your glory. Let it begin in my heart. Displace the darkness and let me shine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're experiencing darkness and confusion and you're not sure you're connecting and don't know how to experience this engaged life and would like to talk to somebody, don't just be silent. Ask somebody who, uh, ask one of the staff, ask somebody you know is walking with Jesus to talk more about how you can put these practices into place. I can't wait to see you next week because we're going to start a whole new series for the month of December called Hope on the Horizon. God bless you. See you next week.